I'm one woman who's been saying this and proving this for years. The presumed powerful are not untouchable. Donald J. Trump is not above the law. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Lights On. This week, we have witnessed the walls closing in on the former now criminally indicted president like never before. From a civil rape lawsuit on the brink of trial to a state fraud case that threatens to eradicate his namesake business, to pointed probes into his potential violations of the Espionage Act and Prosecutor Alvin Bragg's unmitigated legal challenge to politicized attempts at obstruction, Donald Trump is drowning in a sea of legal accountability. The same Donald Trump, mind you, who remains the de facto leader of the Republican Party. From de facto to de fascist, the GOP refuses to come to the light, but continues to defend enemies of our state and push for policies that would turn us back decades, if not centuries. In Florida, the Trump alternative poster child for fascism parading as freedom, Governor Ron DeSantis, signed a bill in the dark of night rolling back the state's already restrictive abortion ban from 15 weeks to six weeks. This, of course, as the fate of the widely used abortion pill Mifepristone hangs in the balance after an extremist right-wing judge issued a now temporarily stayed ruling suspending long-standing FDA approval of that drug last week. Of course, none of this would be possible without an organized and relentless propaganda machine to mislead Americans into believing that any of this could possibly be good for them. I learned that lesson the hard way. But the leader of that destru destruction is also facing the music like never before. Jury selection is now underway in Dominion's explosive defamation lawsuit against Fox. And a woman whose name you may or may not have heard is the reason Fox is already taking some serious heat from the judge. I've discovered some uncanny similarities between my case and this woman who has recently come to the light. So we're definitely going to talk about that. And because attacks on freedom and truth do not occur in isolation, we're going to shine a light on a global atrocity we can't afford to ignore. The military junta dictatorship in Myanmar continues to slaughter its citizens two years after a tragic setback to democracy that was encouraged by none other than Donald Trump. Thank God we are finally holding our resident tyrant accountable so we can once again be the hope and not the despair for those seeking freedom around the globe. Welcome to our luminaries and my sidekick, Ben Mycellus. Nice to see you, sidekick. Great to see you. Great as always to be your sidekick and great to now have the formal name for all of the people who watch Lights On. They are the luminaries. And I just love that intro from de facto to de fascist and fueled by this relentless propaganda machine. That's frankly why we need shows like Lights On with Jessica Denson to put that spotlight on the truth and expose this corruption and fascism. I know there's a lot to talk about today, so excited to get right on in. We'll get right into it. You know, Ben, in the dark of night, Ron DeSantis file, uh, signed this extreme GOP abortion, essentially a six-week abortion when many women don't even yet know they're pregnant, essentially a full abortion ban, um, rolling back his already restrictive 15-week ban to six weeks. This will now require a woman to provide proof that a pregnancy was a result of rape, incest, or human trafficking in order to receive an abortion even up until that 15-week mark. Um, these are just these extremist measures the GOP is taking, as we talked about so much last week and have on this show, digging in their heels, pushing these vastly unpopular fascist policies with minority support um, and doing it while nobody is watching. Um, this, this is uh, going to go into effect pending a lawsuit that is currently before the Florida Supreme Court. It's a it's a case brought by Planned Parenthood and the ACLU um, and other abortion clinics challenging um, these really restrictive measures by by DeSantis. But this is really scary territory that we are we are wading into here. 
You know, we just did an interview, uh, Brett, my younger brother and myself, of Governor Josh Shapiro, the governor of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And you see this stark contrast between the Democratic governors in places like the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, in places like Michigan, where they are championing, in a real sense, the freedoms of their people, and they are pushing forward legislation and action that actually delivers benefits for people. And you compare and contrast that uh, to what's taking place in uh, places like Florida. And as Governor Josh Shapiro told us uh, today, by the way, we're going to be airing that uh, tomorrow or, or, or Sunday over the weekend on the Midas Touch YouTube channel. As Governor Josh Shapiro tells us, you know, these MAGA Republican governors in red states, they are finding new ways each and every day to take away people's freedoms and just engage in this cruel cosplay fascism. We released a clip where he calls out Ron DeSantis directly. He calls Governor uh, Abbott pathetic and, and all of these MAGA Republican governors who are just, you know, doing this fascist cosplay thing. And, and, and here it has real impact. It has real effect. Um, you know, and in a place like Florida, I mean, treating women like second class citizens. And now Ron DeSantis is saying that he is the one he and his government will make the decisions for women. They're the ones with the answers. Yes, Ron DeSantis claims he holds the answers to how women should make decisions over their body. And as I said um, yesterday on, on my Twitter handle, right, that's very small government conservative thinking right there. Put the government right into the bedroom, put the government right into the doctor's office, put the government right inside a woman's body. Absolutely despicable. It is despicable. And you're talking about Josh Shapiro, who I absolutely adore for his very forward leaning messaging on freedom. To me, he was the just example of how Democrats, I think, should reclaim and how successful it is to reclaim because this is the actual truthful fact of the matter that Democrats represent the freedom platform in this country, not the fascist, conservative, non-conservative Republicans, MAGA Republicans, the GOP. And Governor Josh Shapiro was so successful. He did not shy away. There have been Democrats in the past that have shied away from embracing the freedom platform. He didn't shy away from it at all. He ran on it hard, defining what freedom means and explaining how these other politicians that claim to hold up the banner of freedom are really after your rights and taking away your freedom in no uncertain way. And so I was really, I watched that clip. I was so happy to see him again, just hammering the freedom platform. This is a winning platform platform for Democrats. I think, you know, we see all of these really scary fascist attempts um, coming out in full force from, from these Republicans like DeSantis and these extremist judges that were appointed by Trump. But this is going to be a losing proposition for them when it comes to the next election. And if Democrats just keep hammering that freedom platform, I think that we are in for, um, they're in for, the ones that are trying to take away our rights, the real enemies of freedom are in for a real awakening. So let's stay on that track. But uh, along the lines of Josh Shapiro, there are some other um, really uh, forward leaning, um, proactive steps by Democratic governors this week. I don't know if you heard this, Ben, but Mara Healy, Gavin Newsom and Jay Inslee, governor of Washington, California and Massachusetts in reverse order there, um, have been stockpiling Mifepristone um, in, in the case that there is some kind of, um, in case Mifepristone, this very popular abortion pill, does eventually get taken off the shelves. Just before we came on air a few hours ago, the Supreme Court issued that temporary stay, um, allowing the original long-standing FDA approval of Mifepristone to remain as it was prior to the Texas judge's ruling just for five more dates until more briefing occurs. This was a just a very brief order from Justice Alito. Don't read too much into it on, on the uh, sentiments of Justice Alito. But um, in the meantime, you have these Democratic governors, very forward-leaning, um, taking proactive measures to protect women's rights, protect women's reproductive freedom. Um, and uh, they are on, on this same messaging 
um, that Josh Shapiro is. I, I listened earlier this week to Mara Healy speaking in Massachusetts at a press conference on what um, the the AG there, the governor and the University of Massachusetts is doing to try to protect this drug. And I love something that she said about her state and freedom. Can we play that clip, Salty? Look, I just want to be clear. I mean, this place, this is the foundation of our country's democracy. You know, this is bedrock. And if you come here to mess with our rights or our freedoms, we're going to take you on. We're certainly not going to stand for that. At the end of the day, we are not going to let hand-picked extremist judges who are looking to just simply exercise and further a political agenda undermine centuries of appropriate rulemaking in this country when it comes to our health and well-being, when it comes to scientific expertise. Yeah, wonderful leadership on the Democratic side here. And, um, you know, it was interesting. There w we were talking about the abortion issue last week because when we came on the air, it was when that, that Texas ruling dropped. And one of our luminaries commented, and I thought this, this comment was so appropriate because it hits the nail on the head as to the attacks on women and the overall fascist attempts to take away our rights. And this is, this is our luminary, Marco. I'm going to read this because I loved it so much. It said, in hindsight, it makes sense. Women's rights are the basis for the politics of love and light, something that authoritarian forces fear the most. Couldn't agree more with that uh, statement. And, you know, you mentioned Justice Alito, uh, who granted this very temporary emergency stay, just so everybody knows the way it works. Why is Justice Alito even involved here? Uh, each of the nine members of the Supreme Court have a certain uh, area uh, where they are able to make these emergency rulings over. They each have a circuit court. And so Alito has the Fifth Circuit, uh, and Alito, I believe, also has the Third Circuit. Um, and different judges have different circuits. For example, Clarence Thomas makes emergency rulings regarding the Eleventh Circuit. We shouldn't forget that Justice Alito is the same justice who wrote the opinion of Dobbs that overturned Roe v. Wade, which created all of this chaos in the first place. And we shouldn't misinterpret what Justice Alito did here as granting this temporary emergency stay as anything more, unfortunately, than what is usually the normal procedure of preserving the status quo uh, pending briefing when an issue like this that is very high profile goes in front of the United States Supreme Court on an emergency basis. And so the standard protocol would normally be to grant the stay pending emergency briefing, which is why it was only those five days, because let's face it, Justice Alito is the individual who crafted the Dobbs decision in the first place and cited some really horrific things in Dobbs, like he was citing some like 18th century people who believe that women who were involved in witchcraft should be burned at the stake as rationale for overturning Roe v. Wade. So that's the type of logical reason, which is completely illogical and hateful, that Alito uh, furthers. And look, I think, unfortunately, if you look at the composition of the current Supreme Court, that is six to three right-wing extremists, six right-wing extremists uh, on that court, I ultimately think that it is going to be a difficult one for them to make the right ruling here, just given their track record. They may think, hey, you know what? This Northern District judge from Texas, Cosmeric, this Trump appointee, made such a radical ruling and there was no standing in the first place that by us overturning uh, that judge, maybe we could get some goodwill back now that after the Dobbs decision, people absolutely hate the court. So there is that potential just kind of responding to the public pressures. And that may be why they continue to allow Mifepristone to be approved. But based on their normal inclination, that Supreme Court composition is the type of group that would try to um, completely abolish the FDA's approval process. Yeah, it's it's an attack on women. It's attack on freedom. And like like we've talked about so much, it's them 
exerting all of the power that they have accrued over these years through dark money forces, through um, abusing the the appointment process to the Supreme Court. Um, you know, we know what Mitch McConnell did during the Trump years, uh, forcing all these judges through after after blocking Obama's appointment of Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. This is a result of very undemocratic forces uh, attacking women's rights and our rights generally. And the only answer, I don't know if you saw this this morning, um, Ben, but the Citizens for Responsible Ethics in Washington crew um, filed a complaint asking the DOJ and Chief Justice John Roberts to look into the federal law that has been violated by Clarence Thomas for um, not disclosing all of these contributions, these in-kind contributions that he uh, dismisses as hospitality from Harlan Crow. Um, there are laws. We don't have strong enough ones, but there are laws that we can enforce. And um, aside from, as I have always said, voting in more pro-democracy, in this case, in the world that we're living in, those are Democrats voting in more Democrats who will expand our court so that we can not have this insane right wing imbalance that is stripping our rights away against the will of the majority of this country. Um, you know, we have to vote people in and we can in the meantime use the laws on the books. So I was very encouraged to see that, um, that again, proactive stance from crew. And I hope that an investigation into uh, Justice Thomas does ensue. Look, it shouldn't be a political issue, right? I mean, he clearly violated the law. I mean, this is a Supreme Court justice who received millions of dollars worth of gifts. Let's just Let's just take, for example, his tax returns, right? Do you think that he was claiming these millions of dollars of gifts as income like he was supposed to under all the IRS guidelines? Absolutely not. So I think just even there alone, I mean, he committed various tax crimes. And then you go to the um, disclosures themselves. You can't lie on disclosure forms um, like he did, um, federal disclosure forms where it said, have you received gifts? And he checks, no, I've never received gifts for all of these years where he received millions of dollars of gifts, right? And then we learned this week that Harlan Crow not only gave these lavish trips and lavish gifts, but bought Clarence Thomas' mom's home and then bought two adjacent lots. And the two adjacent lots went for like $40,000 each. And then he bought the same lot um, that was the one near the ones that it was adjacent to that Clarence Thomas' mom lived in for like $140,000. And that was never disclosed at all. I mean, the corruption runs so deep, but in normal times, both political parties would say, you know what, maybe we have disagreements on tax, tax issues, or maybe we have disagreements on the size of government, or maybe we have disagreements on the approach to these various initiatives. But guess what? That's a crime. Crimes are bad. Let's stop that. Let, that judge shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. But we don't live in normal times. We live in a time where you have actual corruption that's taking place by the MAGA Republicans and their justices like uh, Clarence Thomas right there. And then on the other hand, you have what's taking place where these MAGA Republicans basically blame George Soros and all of this, and they just spread their conspiracies and they spread their lies over and over again. So we are not living in normal times, Jessica. And one of the things that I am really excited about as well is that these propaganda machines are being held accountable also, right? I mean, you have this incredible whistleblower now in Abby Grossberg, who's kind of stepped forward on the eve of this uh, defamation case brought by Dominion against Fox, right? Dominion is seeking about $1.6 billion uh, in damages against Fox. Um, and on the eve of trial, right, right before jury selection is taking place, what happens? What is discovered? You have um, all of these audio tapes and all of these recordings um, that Abby Grossberg um, was able to um, gain access to. And she was able to gain access to because her role as an executive producer was that she 
you know, would book the guests. So when the Trump administration officials would go on the show, um, like people like Giuliani and other Trump administration officials, they would speak to people like Maria Bartiroma, right? And they would have a pre-interview, which for those who don't know what a pre-interview is, is that when you're not really sure what the guest is going to say or when you as an interviewer want to be prepared, you do this pre-interview where you basically ask the questions just so you can hear the reactions. And with the situation of Donald Trump spreading all of these lies about election fraud, it would make sense why you would do the pre-interviews. But in the pre-interviews, where people like the top Trump administration officials and Giuliani would basically say, hey, off the, can we go off the record for a second? We really don't have any of this information. We don't have any evidence, but can you do us a favor? Can you push the January 6th date? That's our real backstop. We want to focus on the January 6th insurrection. Off the record, we, we're, let's not get into all that. We don't really have a lot of good information, right? That is what actually transpired. And guess what? Fox tried to suppress that evidence. Fox, Shocker. <laughs> Fox tried to suppress the evidence. Shocking, right? Yeah. No, I mean, it was, I, I, I had heard about Abby Grossberg, and you're speaking about Abby Grossberg, this former uh, Fox News producer. She was a producer, like you said, on Maria Bartiromo's show previous to this. I mean, she's been working in news for a long time. She started at CBS, then she was at uh, CNN, and I believe last at ABC News before she ended up at Fox. And there's, I had heard about her her lawsuit, her kind of entry into the public sphere, just in the periphery. But I knew when I just heard a little bit, I'm like, my God, this sounds so much like my lawsuit against the Trump campaign. And so as these developments were happening this week, I decided to look a little bit more into Abby Grossberg. And like you described, yeah, she would do these pre-interviews with figures like Rudy Giuliani and Trump campaign officials for Maria Bartiromo. It was, it's fascinating because her and Maria Bartiromo were, it sounds like two, almost two of the only staffers on Maria Bartiromo's show, which she alleges and describes was one of the most successful shows on Fox Business. And there was no support staff for her. It was basically just these two women left hanging out to dry and run the show. And um, the way that, that Abby Grossberg ac actually comes into the forefront is first in these um, dispositive motions that Dominion and Fox are filing, they're putting out uh, deposition transcripts of what was said by Fox employees. And Abby Grossberg comes out in these depositions as being someone who was very dishonest, who said, yeah, I knew that um, I knew that people were lying to us off air, but we went ahead and didn't care and put these lies on air. And the backstory to this is that Abby Grossberg, according to her allegations, was really being coached and intimidated and pressured by the Fox lawyers to give this um, to give this uh, to basically be the scapegoat, to be the fall person for all of these male executives at Fox who are really the ones pulling the strings. Abby Grossberg, if you uh, um, follow and believe her account, was was pushing back on this, was the one who was actually trying to be a real journalist and in some cases prevent these lies from being broadcast. So she goes through this, um, the deposition process as an employee of Fox. She's still at Fox News up until late March. Um, she had been at Maria Bartiromo's show. They would not promote her, although according to her, she was definitely deserving of a promotion and had demonstrated exceptional value for in this small two-woman team that she had on Bartiromo's show. And she, she ends up moving to Tucker Carlson's show. And throughout this, through, while working as a producer on Tucker Carlson, where she describes just a disgustingly toxic and hostile misogynist workplace, again, very similar to what I experienced on the Trump campaign, um, she, she uh, is going through these depositions, being coached by Fox lawyers. And I know this, this process very well because I've been going through depositions in my lawsuit against the Trump campaign. And the first deposition was my own. Um, I know Trump had a seven hour deposition yesterday where he gave the same answer every time. I had a seven or maybe nine hour deposition where I actually gave real answers. Um, but there's a process after your deposition where called errata, where you go in, you will go over your transcript. You have a certain amount of time to look through it and see if you 
have any answers that you want to correct. Maybe you misspoke. Maybe there's something that you know comes to your memory that you didn't say at the time, and you want to you want to correct the record. It's called errata. And so she was not given. She kept, according to her allegations, kept asking the Fox lawyers to see her errata sheet or to see her deposition so she could do her errata. And she was not given her deposition, a copy of her deposition. So this back and forth is going on. This woman is coming to her senses and she's she's done one interview that I saw where she she really describes the pressure and really the the mental health impact that, th that this was having on her, which I also can relate to so much when you feel like you're in a position where people are trying to silence you and pressure you and control you. Um, and she ultimately she ultimately ended up filing a lawsuit two lawsuits, actually, one for, uh, I think, her employment claims in SDNY and another in Delaware Superior Court um, for false light defamation and civil conspiracy against Fox um, for not for using her, basically using her as a tool and a scapegoat in this scheme to to not really represent the truth about who was pulling the levers and allowing false information to go on the air at Fox News. So, um, yeah, so <laughs> Abby Grossberg is the reason, the reason I think we've had so many examples of this um, where it's it's a woman who should she have worked at Fox News to begin with, with with her, you know, all of her skills and talents. I don't think so. I hope that everybody with a conscience who still remains in a network like that would reassess their career choices and and look for other opportunities. But it's it's these women. Who are who are seeing the light? Who are maybe even though they have chosen for career reasons or whatever to be in these places, they're the ones that are pushing back and saying, "No, we are not going to be used in the furtherance of lies and the furtherance of corruption." And her revelations from those recordings, which she saw had not been produced by Fox, and her legal team then in turn turned over to Dominion are the reason that the judge, Judge Eric Davis in Delaware Superior Court, leading up to jury selection, which is going on right now, um, has already sanctioned Fox and, and threatened to even appoint a special master to see if there is more discovery that Fox has not been fully forthright about. You know, and there's there's different breaking points for each individual person about what was that moment for any individual where they saw the light, where they said, you know what, I cannot be a part of this hateful machinery. And, and look, I, I don't want to judge them for being sucked into that hateful machinery. I'll tell you why. Because billions and billions of dollars are spent, are spent by the right-wing propaganda machines to target people, you know, and I get it. People have careers and sometimes before you know it, you lose sight of something and years past and before you know it, you, you look at Abby Grossberg's background, right? Um, you know, she was a serious producer. She had a successful career. You know, she wanted to continue to work in places, whether it was at ABC and CNN, where she could be compensated for her talents, for her um, you know, for, for, for everything that she can bring. Um, and she kind of found herself in this place where should she have, you know, quit on the first day? Should she have quit on the second day? I mean, look, in her complaint, she talks about when she left the Maria Bartiroma show and went to the Tucker show, for example. She said uh, when she showed up at Tucker's office, all, all, all over the walls and in all of the cubicles, like all of the staff, had photographs of Nancy Pelosi in a bathing suit so that they could mock Nancy Pelosi, she said. Um, so you just think about this work environment where that's just what exists every single day, you know, but ultimately for her, you know, the, the breaking point was she was deposed. She answered questions in a way that she felt afterwards, you know, that she was threatened and harassed and intimidated. She didn't feel good about it. You know, and she had this moment where she didn't have to 
um, be a whistleblower. She didn't have to come forward, right? She could have played along with the game. She should have, she could have continued to be there and continue to cash Rupert Murdoch's checks. I promise you this ain't easy for her. I'm sure she's getting lots of death threats right now. You know, Fox sued her, right? The same way Trump sued you. She got sued by Fox for violating attorney-client privilege. So this ain't easy for her right now. And this is not something that, you know, was like, oh, let me just do, let me just do this. But frankly, because of her courage, I think there is going to be um, more accountability that will come out of uh, this trial. And so I think, you know, big kudos to her. But that's what we talk about on Lights On a lot, though, is, you know, when, when, when you when you start from a position of humanity and decency and compassion and love and intelligence, you may not always win over people right away um, because there are forces like Trump who are predatory. They prey on people's trust, right? Because people yearn for this humanity and yearn for compassion and yearn for community, swindlers and cheats and and despots and authoritarians they prey on that because they realize that people listen to words and when someone like Donald Trump every word is a lie that he spews and he just lies with the punity and the bigger lie you tell to cause fear in people a propaganda study show works you know and and has worked in the past you know, people let down their guard for those authoritarians. And so, and there isn't media that's talking about compassion. There isn't it talking about love and there isn't talking about humanity and decency. But I'll tell you what, everybody here, all of the luminaries, the people who watch the Midas Touch Network, that's why I think this network's growing the way it is. And that's why this show, I mean, we've, we've only done a few of these shows now and they all get hundreds of thousands of views. And I think the reason is one is because you are an incredible person, um, but, 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 but that the show is focused on love and humanity and compassion. And that just doesn't exist on, on large media networks. Well, and, and the understanding that love is truth. Love is truth. Love is a force. Love is powerful. Love cannot be defeated. I and mean, love is not some gentle little thing or some, you know, thing that that wavers in times of, of struggle or in times of, um, you know, when faced with oppression. Love overcomes. And I, I realized and I saw this quality. I mean, I think I recognized this quality in Abby Grossberg when I was reading her filing and watching those interviews that she was a threat to them, despite whatever have, might, may have led her to work at Fox News in the, in the first place. Those better angels within her were a threat to them. That, that, that uh, inner voice, that conscience, that higher moral um, you know, place where, where, where I think she ultimately was really abiding and where I was really abiding, even though I was so ignorantly following Donald Trump and believing um, his his lies and his just the, the general propaganda of, of the GOP. At, at the end of the day, I'm Jessica Denson. I am somebody who knows the power of truth. I am somebody who cares about truth. I am somebody who hates corruption and who is not going to stand silent when I see it or when I'm confronted with it. Did I have the courage to act immediately while I was in the Trump campaign? No, God Almighty knows that I wish I did. I wish I had spoken out right then on, you know, 2016 Access Hollywood weekend when Kellyanne Conway was rushing me into her office and they banned me from Trump Tower and everything, everything in their calculus was how to keep this woman, Jessica Denson, from speaking to the media. But I wasn't even there. I wasn't even there yet. But in, in, in my heart, who I am was a threat to that campaign from day one because they recognized that I was clean. They recognized that I had a conscience, that I wasn't going to play ball with their filth and their corruption, their misogyny, their oppression. And that's why I ultimately did what I did, because that that person that was within me, yes, it's love and compassion that is un, inseparable from truth and principle and acting with authority um, on a moral platform. And and it's it's that inner 
divine, um, you know, source of my identity that has always really been who I am, that I gave license to come out when I brought those legal actions. And that's why I've been successful. That's why we've been victorious. And that's why I can continue to shine this light and love to do this, because I know that exists within us all. You know, I, 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 if I'm getting too personal here, you could tell me, hey, Ben, you know, I don't want, I don't want to answer that question. But look, Christianity is very important to you. And one of the things that the MAGA Republican movement would talk about consistently, you know, and whether it's evangelical Christians or, you know, they, they, they would constantly talk about, you know, we're Christians, we're doing this because we're Christians and Christian, you know, and they constantly talked about it. So I could see how somebody who is a Christian, you know, and, and who cares about, um, you know, the, the, the teachings there too, would say, okay, you know, there's no way that they would just lie to me, you know, because like, you know, and, and consistently over and over again. And I know part of your journey has also been as a Christian um, to, you know, to basically tell these MAGA Republicans, stop, you know, basically defiling my religion, stop using it to Absolutely. justify your hateful action. So I don't Absolutely. mean to call you out and, and, and bring it in that way, but I, I you don't have to. It's an important part <laughs> of, of your story and you finding your light. I'm unabashed about my faith because it's who I am. It is who I am. I am here because of the power of what I understand and know and have lived and experience of God. God as truth, as love, as light, as principle. Um, and that has been my, that has been what has kept me alive. It is the reason that I'm here, <laughs> that I have, you know, made it through some very, very, very dark times. And you better believe that I am all about exposing the hypocrisy, the utter anti-Christianity of the right wing who they just, they, they are engaged in the symbolism. You know, all of the Bible is full of stories about hypocrisy and people who do not practice what they preach. Um, and these these people go on air with crosses on their neck. They talk about they talk about being a Christian. They talk about loving God, and yet their actions are to destroy and defame their fellow man, to mislead them, to control them, to take away their freedom and their God given rights. You know, some of these people are out there talking about the right to hold a weapon of war is a God-given right. Absolutely not. There's nothing in the Bible yeah. that says God gave us a right to hold an AK-47 or an AR-15. What God did give us is sovereignty our, over our own identity, our, that freedom to work out our own salvation. And the, the way that they have cloaked themselves in a gospel of Christ and love and try to pretend that they represent that platform while while just engendering so much hatred against our fellow man. You know, I remember we're talking about Abby Grossberg and Fox News and um, and just the misogyny, the toxic masculinity that's that's apparent at that network. I, I you, you couldn't miss it. When I watched Fox News for eight years, you could not miss the overt sexuality of that network. While they're out there wearing crosses, talking about, you know, churches and where, you know, the Ten Commandments are under assault, the Pledge of Allegiance is under assault, they're selling more sex in the pre-dawn hours of Fox News than, you know, any sexuality you've ever seen in every drag show in Tennessee, okay? There is more sex, overt sexuality, objectification of women from a you know party and platform that pretends to be concerned with the, the sexualization of our children from sources that are not even engaged in sexually overt behavior. And yet they so, they are so programmed on an imagery level in selling sex by objectifying women on Fox News. So, um, yeah, I know we started off on Christianity, but it just it goes back to the hypocrisy, the the assaults and objectification of women, the use of women as tools in this male, you know, 
dominated fascist playbook. And um, you better believe that we're going to call it out here. You know, in Abby Grossberg's lawsuit, there's a whole section that she devotes, and it is very, very long, this section, that talks about all of the times that Fox has made these monster payouts to try to cover up sexual assault, sexual harassment allegations by its top hosts, by its former CEO and chair, Roger Ailes. Um, and it goes, it's like four pages. And in any given year, there's like multiple examples of multi-million dollar payments for Fox hosts and Fox executives um, engaging in sexual assault and harassment. And so that's how she begins giving the background of the network and then talks about her experience um, within the network. You, you mentioned a little bit earlier um, Donald Trump's deposition. Um, and you referenced that Donald Trump may have repeated just the same thing over and over again as he had done before in the special proceeding in the deposition taken by New York Attorney General Letitia James. He invoked the Fifth Amendment against self-incrimination repeatedly. If, if reporting is to be believed about what took place there, and even if you take Donald Trump's statement um, about what transpired at somewhat face value, it seems that he did answer the questions at his deposition um, and went for about seven hours. If he didn't answer the questions, if he invoked his Fifth Amendment this time, um, it could be used and would have been used as an adverse inference against him um, at the trial set for October 2nd, 2023, which means that New York Attorney General Letitia James could have told the jury, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Donald Trump, when asked these questions at his deposition about his statement of financial conditions, invoked the Fifth Amendment and refused to answer. Therefore, you could make an adverse inference. You could infer adversely against him that the reason he's refusing to answer these questions is because he's trying to cover up the underlying conduct and liability that we are trying to prove. In other words, Donald Trump essentially would automatically lose the lawsuit. That's why, because Donald Trump, for him, what's the most important thing? Money. And hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars are on the line in this trial set to take place October 2nd, 2023. So I think he actually testified and he posted about his testimony. And the thing with Trump, though, is he doesn't know the law of holes because he just keeps on digging. And so in this post that he made uh, earlier in the day, he kind of admits not just to the liability in the civil case brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James, but he further incriminates himself in connection with the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's ongoing criminal investigation. You know, Alvin Bragg's charges relate to the falsification of business records in connection with an election from the hush money payments, right? But he's still criminally investigating as well the financial fraud valuation crimes where Donald Trump would either inflate or deflate the valuations of properties to gain benefits from lenders. He would say, "My the property values are much higher to get better loans. From taxing authorities, he would say, the value of my properties is much less to pay less taxes. Well, take a look at what Donald Trump said about his deposition that he took. He goes, an interesting day spent with the attorney general and her representatives. I strongly made my points. They are irrefutable, and it is a case that should not go forward. My company and overall value is actually far stronger and higher than shown in the so-called financial statement. The honorable thing to do would be, quote, drop it and spend all of this time, money, and energy on fighting violent crime in New York. It would make a big difference and show real strength and courage by the AG. So at the end, you see his malignant narcissism there as though the AG is going to read this post and go, all right, I'm going to drop it. But notice what he says. He goes, my company and overall value is actually far stronger and higher than shown in the so-called financial statement. That is the crime he's being investigated for. That is the claim that she is asserting. You're supposed to put the accurate number. You're not supposed to inflate it or deflate it. He admits to the crime. You want to you hear a little inside scoop from Trump Tower? Yeah. 
<laughs> so when I when I went to work there, I my office, I, I started off in the data department and ended up being promoted to lead Hispanic engagement. But I um, my office was on the 14th floor. So I would go in every day and go in the elevator and press 14, go up, get out of the elevator. And it was a very nice new office. I don't know if you remember this from 2016, Ben, but there were very early pictures of his campaign operation where it kind of looked like a basement, an unfinished space. And that was the original original campaign space in Trump Tower. And when I got there, they had just moved to the 14th floor. <laughs> so I just knew this nice new renovated space. Well, one day, um, a colleague in the data department said, you want to go see the old space on the fifth floor. So we're on 14. He's going to take me down to five to see the old space that I saw in those pictures. And he takes me in the stairwell. I'm like, why are we taking the stairs? He's like, oh, it's right here. <laughs> we go down one flight from 14 to five and we are on the fifth floor. <laughs> so there's a little real estate inflation for you. In Trump Tower, five is five, but 14 is really six because taller buildings are worth more money. And so uh, <laughs> I got to see that really on the um, the way that uh, he inflates his assets right there live and in person. You know, I got to give the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg credit because had Alvin Bragg brought the financial fraud valuation case first before the falsification of business records, Trump would never have sat for this deposition. It would have stayed or stopped the New York Attorney General's case, which would have gotten pushed years and years in the future. And the Manhattan District Attorney's Office would never get this evidence. And so yeah. I get why people were frustrated that Alvin Bragg did not bring the financial fraud valuation case first, but this proves 100% that that was the right strategy. Yeah, and he spoke, like you were saying, in this deposition, he answered those questions because you can make an adverse inference as in a civil case as opposed to a criminal case. Am, am I not correct? Where you cannot make an adverse in inference because someone invokes the Fifth Amendment. Correct. In a criminal case, you can never go. You see that criminal defendant right. over there? Right. They've invoked the Fifth, so you should believe they're guilty. No, you have an absolute yeah. constitutional protection. The prosecution can't even mention why it is that you're not testifying to to a jury, but you're 100% correct. In a civil case, the the Fifth Amendment can't be invoked like that, you know. And you could basically say it is an adverse inference in that situation. So, um, in civil cases, Letitia James could have said, "Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, he's invoked the Fifth, therefore infer liability," and the jury would have inferred liability. Um, and now those that information, that deposition, that goes whoop right to the Manhattan District Attorney, who's now gathered this information that he would never have received because Trump would have invoked the fifth and you can never have said, oh, you see, that's why he's invoking the fifth because he's trying to avoid liability. So it was actually like Trump stepped right into it. Yeah. Well, from inflating assets to inflating election results, Trump's actions have had a global effect on, on so many different um, world affairs. I want to talk about one that really just is so upsetting to me. This is this is what's been going in and on in Myanmar um, for the past two years. When in 2021, after their 2020 election, where a um, democratic leader was was elected in a landslide, the military junta in Myanmar claimed a coup, taking cues right from Donald Trump, the supposed leader of the free world at the, at the time, and claimed a, a, that their election results were not valid in Myanmar, and used that as justification to initiate a deadly coup. They have killed thousands and thousands of their citizens um, just this week. This has barely been a blip in the news, but just this week, 165 people were killed. It's believed to be the, the deadliest single day attack from the military dictatorship. They, they fired down on this congregation of about 300 people who were um, 
in a region that has not been under the jurisdiction of the junta, where where the resistance and opposition forces are, and they're killing women, they're killing children, they're killing their own people. And I just, I think it's so important to make these connections and understand why accountability, this accountability that we're finally seeing on for Trump's long-standing crimes we still need, and God willing, it's coming. His accountability for his crimes against democracy is so vital because we're not just we're not just standing up for freedom here in America as the leaders, the leaders that we should be on this front, but we are showing an example to the world. We are preventing atrocities like this one from being inspired by tyrants like Donald Trump so that they know that there are consequences to this behavior. You cannot engage in this kind of oppression and tyranny with impunity. Um, it, it just brought me all back to, to that period of time. Um, and I was even I was even watching some of the January 6th hearings again last night, Ben, because I feel like, you know, if we ever if we ever just get lost in the politics of the day or, you know, lose sight of what we still have to handle, I, I go back to those January 6th hearings and it is just it floors you to be reminded of what Donald Trump attempted to do this to this country on January 6th and leading up to it, how he attempted to literally undo democratic rule in the United States of America. Um, this military coup in Myanmar, like I said, I, I think it was very much sanctioned and inspired by Donald Trump. And I remember that there were people like, you know, Mark Milley, who was, who were very forward in 2020, uh, 2020 and 2021 coming out and really being our backstop, being the one who were standing behind Trump and a military style coup right here in this country. Um, they were very fearful that he was going to mobilize our armed forces in his defense against the will of the people. After January 6th, they put out a, um, a message to the joint force that condemned what had happened on January 6th, the sedition and insurrection, and committed to a peaceful transfer of power to President Biden. But these were his aims. If Donald Trump could have, he would have used the full might and force of the United States military to defend and promote his authoritarianism. And what do the MAGA Republicans call uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley? They call him woke, right? That's their kind of common. He's too woke and, and they attack him relentlessly. You know, Donald Trump just gave an interview um, with Tucker the other day and he spoke glowingly about Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin and President Xi of China. And then when he talked about Mark Milley with Tucker, you know what he called General Milley? He called him an idiot. Um, he said that General Milley is a total idiot on, you know, on that interview with Tucker. And so you look at these actions by the MAGA Republicans as well. And, you know, sometimes the simplest explanation is the correct explanation, right? That that they're traitors, right? There's a reason when someone like Jack Teixeira, this National Guardsman who's a traitor who just got arrested, right, where he would take these photographs that he would of, of these confidential documents that he would have access to from his role in the National Guard, and he would send them to a group of little boys. He was an actual groomer. So he had this Discord internet chat with these little boys in them, you know, nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old boys. And he would share racist memes with them. And they loved when he would share the racist memes with them. And then he wanted to show how cool he was because he called himself OG and he wanted to impress these little boys. So first he just kind of wrote out what he saw in these classified documents. And they were like, no, keep sending us the racist memes. So he really wanted to impress these little boys. And so he then went back and he took the photographs of the actual classified documents and he would post them in the Discord chat. And then foreign adversaries and other governments abroad started saying, wow, there's classified documents being dumped in this groomer chat being run by this person, OG, where he's trying to impress these little boys. 
And that's how he was ultimately caught. Washington Post did a good story about it. New York Times did a kind of a reconstruction where they were able to find out who uh, who he was and they were able to locate him. And what is the first thing that Marjorie Taylor Greene says? He is a white, you know, it kind of makes the, the this episode go kind of full circle. She goes, <laughs> Jake Teixeira is a white male Christian and anti-war. She there she invokes Christianity. She goes, that makes him an enemy to the Biden regime. And he told the truth about troops being on the ground in Ukraine and a lot more. Ask yourself, who is the real enemy? A young low-level national guardsman or the administration that is waging war in Ukraine, a non-NATO nation against nuclear Russia without war power. So you have here the Russian propaganda. You have her calling the Biden administration an unlawful and criminal regime. You have her invoking Christianity and you have her in confidence because you know what? His name is Jack, not Jake. And in her propaganda, she wanted to go white male Christian. They're so incompetent that they don't even get the details right in what they do when they try to spew their propaganda. So I think that also brings this full circle because there you have what their real intentions are. So as I said, the simplest explanation is sometimes the, the true explanation, which is they go after the military, they support the traitors, they promote the pandemic and spread disinformation about the pandemic, they don't support free and fair elections, they're out there singing freaking songs with the J6 choir, they have a band, the MAGA Republicans have a band with terrorists that they call the J6 choir. And they put their hand on their heart and they sing songs with terrorists. Yeah, this is this is I mean, you look at you look at Jack Tahara and he had this little community that he was <laughs> that he was leading of likely, like you said, literally children, which is I mean, if we want to make this analogy or if you want to draw these lines of to on how people, these communities, these, whether it's like a terrorist cell or a cult or a political movement, at the end of the day, they're communities. And I think this is really important to understand because you can kind of try to dissect all of their uh, insane beliefs and what they, you know, their hijacking of platforms like you were just talking about. But at the end of the day, they abuse people's need to belong need to feel like they are part of something. I really, really recognized this when I was on the Trump campaign. It was probably part of what, you know, kept me in and kept me from breaking free and seeing the light sooner is that there were instances when it felt like a community of love, like a community of Christians, like you're talking about. And um, there's this, this community identity that I think is really important for us to address that, that keeps these people in the darkness, that keeps them sanctioning behavior no matter what it is, that would let them portray this man who is basically an enemy of the state as instead a victim of the state who is fighting, you know, who's wrongfully described as a regime, the Biden regime, you know, no such thing, um, is this sense of community identity. And if we see that, I think it really helps us to break through kind of just the un understanding how people are sucked in by this and then addressing it. Even for me, you know, whatever I am doing um, in in my work and I and the causes that are very important to me, at the end of the day, if each one of us has that moral center that is not attached to any outside community or group, that moral center, and there is so much gaslighting on this front, by the way. If you watch a show like Tucker Carlson, he starts it off, and I was exposed to this for so long. The gaslighting is so deep. He says, we're the enemy of groupthink, which is really, that's really attractive to be the enemy of groupthink, when in fact he is the champion of groupthink. 
But the more that we can take our actions and shine our light from our moral center that is not dependent on outside forces, that is really just that that conscience that I was talking about earlier that is always there to guide us. Um, I think the more powerful we are, the more that we can help uplift others and help others to see that their identity does not exist in a group. Because the, the minute that you ascribe your allegiance to a group, you are going to start to fall victim to it. That's what so many of the followers of, of the MAGA Republicans from right-wing propaganda have done. They have given over, over their entire identities to these groups. And what I say to these people is take your lives back. Like I said to you a year ago when we first met Ben, just take your lives back. These, these um, associations are leading you to death and destruction, literally. But there is a light out there that exists when you find yourself. Well, that's why I love doing this show, Lights On with you, Jessica Denson. I want to tell all the luminaries out there also, um, if you're able to, and no pressure if you can't, but if you're able to help out um, with Jessica Denson's legal fund as well, you know, she's embroiled in these in this litigation with um, Donald Trump. Just go to thejessicadenson.com slash donate the jessica denson.com slash donate and for those who are watching this on youtube you see the spelling on this scroll on the bottom of uh, of this video it's the jessica denson.com slash donate um you can also uh if you want to support midas touch you can go to patreon.com slash midas touch go to store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear Hit subscribe on this YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed, share this video, share this YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you subscribe, not just on YouTube, but if you're a YouTube viewer, subscribe on the audio as well. Search Lights On with Jessica Denson and make sure um, you're subscribed on both the audio and YouTube. And for all of our audio listeners, search the Midas Touch Network and make sure you subscribe to the Midas Touch YouTube channel as well. Again, for the Jessica Denson Legal Fund, go to thejessicadenson.com slash donate. Jessica, as always, always the last word goes to you. Yeah. Thank you everyone who's who supported me in that. It really, really helps. I have some very expensive depositions coming up with uh, Steve Bannon and, and others, and that really helps. So I really appreciate that support. And, um, and, and I read your comments. We're only in week five. I can't believe it. I, I really didn't think that I was going to be able to put on a podcast. And it's been such a joy to do this with all of you and, and get your feedback. I, um, I love doing this with our luminaries. So until next week, luminaries, we love you and we will see you again. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. Mighty.